This is a podcast from the Business Times. Hi there, everyone. I'm Genevieve Kwa, wealth editor of the Business Times and host of this podcast, Wealth with BT. In this episode, we'll be discussing financial planning and why it's especially important for women. As you know, we marked International Women's Day in March. In the papers and on news sites, you would have read of many studies that talk about how diversity in boardrooms and companies results in higher returns on investment. And yet women still lag in terms of pay against men. The pay gap in Singapore, though, is slightly better, not quite as wide as other countries. Here's the thing. I've spent quite a few years covering personal finance for BT. When I started, I often wondered, is there a gender approach to financial planning? Isn't it the case that a sensible approach really is gender neutral? Like making sure you've done a needs analysis, you've set aside a rainy day cushion of funds, you're diversified and have a sensible asset allocation, and so on. But there are actually gender issues around financial planning that make it essential, even urgent, that women take action in the area of money management. In this episode, we're going to tackle the reasons why women need to take action and commit to it. We'll also talk about some very common misconceptions that women may hold about money management. While we tackle issues facing women with families, we'll also take a look at single women and the prospect of divorce. How do you protect yourself in a divorce? And lastly, a very relevant question, how do you recession-proof your finances? In this episode, we have a guest, Evie Wee, DBS Head of Financial Planning. Before I introduce her, I'd like to say this episode is a first in a couple of ways. One, we now have our very own podcast studio in the business times. Yes, until recently, we've done recordings remotely, which isn't very ideal, as you can imagine. So recording in BT Studio right now is a first for me. And Evie is the first guest I'm having in the studio. Let me tell you a little bit about Evie, and pretty soon, she'll share her own story. Evie looks after financial planning and personal investing. She started work as a management associate and then worked her way through various divisions before she landed in financial planning. Evie, welcome to Wealth with BT. Thanks, Jen. You're known to be passionate about financial planning and money management. When you were younger, you had a painful brush with debt. Please tell us more about that. How did financial planning become a passion for you? Yes, indeed, I have a great passion for financial planning, not just teaching others, actually through all of this journey, learning it myself. Mm -hmm. How I started wanting to do this part of the work is actually because many years ago, my family and I went through difficult times financially and I had to step up to become a breadwinner at a very young age. It was literally, you know, uh, living paycheck to paycheck. So that taught me the scarcity of money and resources And it made me value what money really was all about. The first 10 years of my career, it was really very much in the corporate banking side. So my understanding of how to grow my money and grow my wealth was still very limited. A lot of it is just basic savings, some insurance for protection, and I really didn't have time to look into it. Mm. How I came across, you know, one thing to do this job was this thinking I had about how to overcome my own fear. And my fear came from this experience I have, this brush that I have with debt, even paycheck to paycheck. So I became unknowingly a very risk-averse person. Every change, I took it a lot more seriously than others. In order to overcome my fear, I felt that I really had to go and learn about it. And that prompted me to make a switch in my career 
And when the opportunity came, I decided that, you know, this was the path I wanted to take. And thanks to DBS as well, I was allowed to do this job. And through this job, I come to learn everything from investing, insurance, the various products, the solutions, how the market work. I'm still learning, but definitely it has opened my eyes into how to manage my money better. Now let's dive into the subject of women and money management. There are a few reasons why planning is so important for women. Often there are certain misconceptions or sometimes I call them potholes or just habits of thought that keep women from taking action. Evie here is going to help me break them down. First of all, women tend to rely on their spouses for investment decisions. I've read a report that finds women are more involved in short-term planning for finances, like budgeting for the household. But when it comes to long-term planning, they tend to take a back seat. What do you think of this? Is this your observation with clients? Yes, women, especially once they decide to get married and settle down, they tend to devote a lot of their attention to raising their children, caring for their family. In addition to working as well, these days, most women also, you know, share the burden or the financial responsibility by going out to work. Between time management, people tend to feel, well, I can leave it to someone else to manage my money. I would say not just leaving it to the spouse. There are people who also want to leave this money management to someone who's like an expert or they think it's an expert. And I think that is, I won't say a pothole, but that is something we are hoping that people learn to manage money themselves, at least getting the basics correct. And in this day and age, when there are so many uncertainties surrounding the world, especially things that impact us economically, it is vital for people to really understand the basics of money management. Mm -hmm. You may have a financial planner, for example, but having a level of knowledge to participate, how does that help people, especially women? We try to look at really the foundation of what is a financial plan for anybody, regardless of man, woman, you know, at any age and any life stage. One very foundation part is around savings. But we also know that savings alone is not going to be enough, especially now we are living longer and inflation is rising a lot faster due to many reasons. So the part about having a plan and building on this foundation of having enough savings, having enough protection, not too much, not too little, but adequate at your life stage, as well as then putting all your excess money to work harder for you so that you have this freedom of choice to make decisions that you want to make, whether for yourself or for your loved ones, that is actually extremely important. I think many feel intimidated by investments. They think investing is too complex, too risky. What if they make a wrong decision and, and the portfolio loses money? How do you think women can gain confidence in this respect? Even for myself, when I first started investing and I had no real idea about what I'm trying to get myself in, it can be quite a daunting task. And for someone like myself who went through the path of, you know, struggling to look for money, even losing one penny seems a much bigger heartache than I knew before. And I get really scared and run away. But what's important is also to not approach money in a very emotional way. It's a mistake that I also made. And today, there are many frameworks. The good news is there are a lot of content outside and even newspapers like, you know, BT, carrying all of this simplified content to support people's investment decisions. The other thing to look at that's very important is to think of investments in a way from your own perspective. So for example, are you prepared to wait out? So the horizon becomes important. How much money are you prepared to lose? If you feel that you can't, you really have to protect every single penny, then you need to think of the type of investment decisions that can be made so that you can sleep soundly at night. But if you feel 
you are younger, you can ride out the market waves and the ups and downs, then perhaps, you know, you can get into things that carry more risk, but there's a lot more upside as well. Having that kind of framework to guide us is important to somewhat detach ourselves from all of our emotions. After all of that foundation is done, then there's also the passion. For example, myself, I'll invest in industries that I believed in, even if it means taking some risks and because they are startups. But because I believed in what the mission of the company, then I put some money into it. There's a second related misconception or potential pothole in that a lot of women don't take action for themselves. And certainly this relates to the first point of women tending to take a back seat. Like in retirement planning, a couple can have a joint kitty that they save together for. But I'm also a big believer that women need to act for themselves. Like in terms of their CPF accounts, like taking up CPF life, for example. What are your thoughts here, Evie? Everyone should have their own financial plan, regardless of whether you want to have the baseline plan as a family unit simply because we are living in such an uncertain world today. So it is important for each and everyone to have their own plan. So in case anything happened to the loved one, someone that you're dependent on, you still have a way forward. In particular, when it comes to women, my own mom, for example, right? They would always say, my children come first. Even then, it's important to set aside savings. Even if you're receiving an allowance or, you know, from whatever that's given, it's important to know whether you have enough insurance protection. And not just leave it to someone else. Mm -hmm. And because most people don't think about it, like if something were to happen to the person, actually in unforeseen circumstances, for example, like getting really sick. So even though the intent was all very good, right? I want my children to have all of the best. But in the end, it would be the loved ones that end up bearing this burden. Given that now we have so much data and content to help us get protected correctly and adequately, women should, you know, make an effort to learn about these things and get themselves financially prepared. So I'd like to talk a bit about risk profile. Is there a hurdle here in that women maybe tend to be more risk averse, scared to lose money? Like, for example, Evie, in your journey, you've mentioned that because of your experience with debt, you became very risk averse. What do you think is key to helping women cross that bridge of taking some risk? Even in my own experience, understanding yourself is important. Unknowingly, it creeps into every decision-making, including financial decisions. That may be not so much a academic type of thing. You just have to self-reflect. Mm -hmm. That is an important starting point for everyone in order to sort of overcome some of this fear. One, knowing it. And secondly, really having this compartmentalizing your thinking, right? So, if I have excess saving of X amount, I want to grow it. So I'll put it aside and let it grow. And if I feel strongly, I want to spend my time caring for my family and I have no time to look at it, then of course, there are many professionals to support you. So like whether different kind of funds, diversification of funds and all sorts of things. So people that can manage your money on your behalf, you can entrust to them to help you grow this pot of money. That will also help as a starting point. So you don't feel like you have to look at it. Or you don't feel like, well, I put it into a particular stock and then something happened to it and then everything turned pear-shaped and I fear and I feel oh, regrettable and I never want to participate again. Still to come, how do you protect yourself in a divorce? And how do you recession-proof your finances? A brand new monthly podcast inspired by the Business Times column, Off the Record joins the BT Podcasts lineup in April. Conversations in which editors from the newsrooms of SPH Media Trust discuss the modern news industry from their insider's perspective. 
Editors Talk will feature straight-talking editors addressing challenges, strategies and offer insights into how newsrooms have had to adapt, in the face of digital transformation. Information that might just offer you answers in your business sector's digital transformation journey. First episode out in April. And now, back to Wealth BT from the Business Times. Financial planning really shouldn't be intimidating. The good thing is, there are many self-help digital tools. More recently, these tools are helped by SG Findex, which spells Singapore Financial Data Exchange. Let me explain. SG Findex is an industry effort to pool together or aggregate all the financial data relating to you. That makes it so much easier for you to see many things at one place, where your bank deposits are, what loans you have with which bank, and more recently, what insurance policies you have too. You'll also be able to see balances in your CPF and SRS accounts, and even stock and bond holdings in your CDP. Evie Wee, DBS Head of Financial Planning. So far, we've touched on three potential misconceptions, and that's over-reliance on your spouse for long-term planning, not planning for yourself, and there is also fear or risk aversion. So I'd like to bring up a fourth one, which in a way you've touched on, and that's over-planning for children and under-planning or not planning enough for yourself. Specifically, I think this happens in insurance. Like when a child is born, parents take up policies for their baby, and I certainly did for my babies. First is an endowment plan for future education, and then there's also life insurance and critical illness. So it's quite easy to go overboard in all this and find that cash flow becomes tight, or maybe you just haven't thought enough about it, but you end up not buying enough protection for yourself and for your spouse, the two main breadwinners. What's your experience here, Evie? What I think it's important is really to have someone guide you in deciding what is adequate protection. Interestingly, when we survey customers and we ask them, oh, what policies do you have and what do you think you're covered for? And most people's answers, I actually don't know, or I rely on someone else who have helped me in the last five years and I continue to rely on them. Today, again, thanks to the MAS as well as the banking industry, this platform called SG Findex would provide such data to the different financial institutions and they make sense out of it. And I really think that's like one concrete step that everybody should take advantage of. For example, in my case, I have no kids at the moment. And right now, when I look at my own life stage, I would prioritize things like critical illness compared to, let's say, a life insurance. That's because if something were to happen to me, then I need care and I cannot depend on my parents who are older. But for people who have more dependence or people who are dependent on them financially, then the choice may be reversed. So in order for people to figure out whether it's adequate or not, that part requires some professional help, but also today that's enough content and enough tools out there to help people get to baseline understanding. I think a lot of people think of insurance because insurance is many things. The insurance policies can help you save, uh, they can help you invest and grow your wealth, help you retire and unwind. But it is important to also separate both parts, what is for protection and what's for growth. What I'm very glad to see actually is that many, many consumers now have come out and realized that there is a difference and there is a need to know that there is a difference in their financial planning. We've mainly talked about women with spouses, with children. I wanted to ask you about single women. 
other aspects that you think that planning for a single woman would differ from a family unit, for example? A few things. One is whether anyone is financially dependent on you. Whether you're single, you're married, that's important. If you have a loved one counting on you, then that has to be always taken into account regardless of the status. But for most single women, what's important, it's around the same thing of protection. Most people think, oh, it's okay, I only live once, you know, I just do whatever I want and, you know, I just grow my wealth. But most people don't consider the fact that if you're diagnosed with some terminal condition and you need care for long term, it eats into everything that you have saved and grown. Because recovery is just as important as the treatment, the ability to recover and come back to lead a normal life again. So that period of time, you need adequate coverage. For singles, that's one part. Then, of course, the other thing is around what do you want to do when the retirement? So it's also about protection, but it's more of retirement, assuming you know everything goes well and you can retire at the age that you want. But when you no longer have a regular income, then what should be the money that will come in? Is it unwinding of your investments? Are you relying only on CPF? Is it sufficient? Those questions are things that you know people need to think about. Okay, what about in the case of divorce? A breakup can be very devastating, not just emotionally, but financially. What prudent steps do you think women can take in terms of their finances to somehow cushion themselves, if that's even possible? Interestingly, the way I look at it is also the same. The beginning is everyone should have a financial plan. One that you can share with your loved one and one of your own, just in case. I mean, that's why it's called a plan. So a plan where you have to be on your own or you are depending on your own shoulders to do everything. But when uh, it comes to something that's unforeseen in the case of divorce, some of the advice is to really have a records. Whether you contribute to the house, for example, the property that you're living in, whether you are receiving money from the spouse, whether you are contributing directly to the living expenses of the house. The good news is now everything is digital. Most of these things largely would be available readily. But I think these things are important, especially, you know, when you have to go into a negotiation to decide how the settlement is going to be done. To have concrete records like this is actually important. But definitely more important than that is to have an independent plan and have this thing that if something were to happen, I can execute the other plan that I never want to execute. I hope I never have to execute. Um, here's a question very relevant for today. How do you recession-proof your finances? I don't think that you can react when things go wrong. It's usually a bit harder and a bit too late. And hence, I still go back to the very fundamental thing is to have a plan. And the plan needs to cover what you need to save, what you need to protect yourself for, and then what do you need to grow your wealth. When it comes to recession, that's two parts. One is like immediate, assuming, for example, somebody is affected because the person is laid off. Then there's a need to dip into emergency savings. There's considerations about doing some side hustles. Then there's the longer term and the medium term, there's always this upgrade. You know, the ability to upskill yourself, to stay relevant in the economy. How do you look at different industries that are now thriving and is it possible to move either laterally or completely into a different role? Those are even more important than just money management aspect. What's also very important is not to give up hope. There is always a way out. And when you are deep in debt and people feel that they cannot get out of it, there's professional help. You can seek credit counseling, restructure your debt. In my case, in the beginning, I thought, well, this is it. All hopes were gone. But actually, before I knew it, by working hard, saving, doing all the things that I talk about, we got out of it. And then I could actually save and start to build my own wealth and my own nest egg thereafter. Evie, where are you now in your money management journey? How do you invest? And how close are you to your financial freedom? For me, financial freedom just simply means that I can do what I want. 
to pursue the passion while still doing my job, to enjoy my time with the loved ones like my family, make up for lost time during COVID. A lot of us couldn't see our family members. So to me, that is already financial freedom. So I don't really want to be chasing for something so elusive. In terms of the investing journey, I started out with professionally managed funds like everyone else or an endowment product because that was the one that do not need me to go and participate in the market directly. But over time, as I learned more skills, I have diversified portfolio across different asset class, different industry, different geography. Singapore is very small. And of course, because of geopolitics today, it is important to look at it more holistically and slowly build up the portfolio. So when I started, maybe a lot more fixed income, very safe bonds and that kind of thing. But now, you know, some of it has equities. I try to ride the market. And as I said, I take some of my excess money that I have, a little bit of it to invest in companies that I believe in. I also have a passion of collecting art. So because if I go on to just talking about theory, most people only think of money management as a chore. But if I think of money management as a way to let me pursue my passion, then money management can be something very interesting and fun. Thanks, Evie. Thank you, Jen. That's it for today. I hope this podcast gets you thinking about some misconceptions or habits of thought that may hold you back from taking action for your finances. Taking action for yourself may seem scary at first, but it's also very empowering. Until next time, thank you for listening. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.